Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we're here talking about Survivor 44, Episode 10. Hate the title, love the episode. Oof. It's called Full Tilt Boogie. Evan, high level thoughts? Okay, can I tell you about a thought that I just had like, 10 minutes ago in the shower? <laughs> okay, I really want you to like go with me here. So Sean, I'm you here. have not watched Jury Duty yet, correct? I've watched two episodes. Okay, so then you know like what the container of the show is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> For people that don't know, it is a show that is consisting of a bunch of actors that are performing the task of jury duty, but there's one juror who is not privy to the fact that everyone from the judges to the bailiff to all of the fellow jurors are all actors. So it's essentially kind of like the Joe Schmo show in a sense of like mm-hmm. everyone's living a reality except for one, excuse me, No one is living a reality. Everyone is acting except for one person who is living a reality. Anywho, I bring that up because I was thinking about, well, could you ever do jury duty again? And then I was listening to know-it-alls while I was in the shower. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I was like, you could do a Survivor season where (laughs) everybody are actors except for one cast member. And you have the entire scene, excuse me, the entire season beaded out. And the person that you get would think that they're playing regular Survivor. And so they would be in it. And so when you have these weird moments that are sort of like a signature of jury duty, where it sort of like tests whether or not the, you know, the protagonist will believe this to be reality, on a game like Survivor, because of, you know, sleep deprivation, hunger, all of the the, the parts of the show, you have like such an easy way for people to get like extra crazy. And there's so much room for comedy. Yeah. So anyway, that's my. I don't know if it's Survivor, but you could certainly do a show like it. Why not Survivor though? Oh yeah, sorry, I'm going with you. Yeah, let's do Survivor. Well, wait, but why not? Let's Survivor? go full tilt boogie. Full tilt boogie. Um, I don't know. I just was like, the, I can't, I can't see a way in which jury duty as a show works again. But then I was like, well, yeah, but if you put it within something that's pre-existing, um, you'll have yeah, a lot less. That's people. how you do it. You're right. Yeah, because or that you can way even they're do sort it of with not... like the Apprentice, not the yes, but like the Apprentice, the Martha Stewart version, not the right, 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 version. Right. Yeah, but then it, yeah, but then even <laughs> if people start to question the reality of it, they're like, well, I've seen this. This is the show. Yeah, like I'm on the real. show. I can't. This has got to be real. And so, do we need a character like Carolyn, or do we want a character that's more in line with Jury Duties, Ronald, in the sense of like we do Carson? Uh, I think you want more of like a Jamie. Mmm, that's good. That's good. Oh, you. So you want someone who's just kind of like thinks they're one of the weirdos along with the weirdos, but then the weirdos keep like stretching their weirdoness. Yeah, and then all of a sudden she's sort of like, I'm an Oz. (laughs) And in the scenario, does the uh person who is not the actor do they win? So they lose. But mm. then they're awarded the million. Ah, love it. I'm in. So they're they're all the way. They're a runner up on the show. They lose the game. There's got to be some crazy tribal. Now you have to balance it because the whole thing with jury duty is like you never want to be punching down. So it have to be built in a way where it's like they lose, but like it, it, they can't. They have to be. It has to be a hero's journey. Like they're robbed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm in. Okay. I got you there. So wait, wait, wait. While, well, while we're on the subject show, before we talk about the show Survivor, which we're here to recap, um, this will dictate this week's emoji, um, which will be, isn't there some sort of like judge something? I think there's a, a cla- what's that called? A clavel? What's that thing? You know the thing that they bang? Yes. Gla- glavel? Clavel? Gavel? Gavel. Uh, let's keep going and we will come back to this, okay. but okay. I'm not seeing a gavel. Well, anyway, okay. anyways, so I, I came my... into this episode with like two emoji options, but by all means, like I'm happy. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, maybe, maybe we can well, have no, we'll see. We'll see. Let's talk about it at the end. Okay. Okay. Thoughts on the episode? Oh, oh, Survivor. Mm. Uh, high level thoughts would be living for another sort of mini montage of Carolyn screaming in a challenge. Mm. There's just something overwhelmingly overwhelmingly joyous about that motif and i can't wait till we get like the giant supercut at the end mm. and great episode for reunion Pit- yeah uh great episode for pittsburgh heidi really beginning to emerge um and then just big bummer to lose franny i feel like the uh, it was not a good move to spearhead her going home i i think it's um very telling about this new era where it's like if you are a powerful player that you're sort of deemed someone to take out versus being viewed as a potential shield yeah. down the line. But I can understand the fact that Franny had good re- has good relationships with a lot of people on the jury. But I just thought Franny was great. And then the, the other thing I'll add before I ask you is just that like, I think if anyone is primed for a returning player season, it is by far franny because we talk about returning player seasons a lot and thinking about like oh we love this person we want them back with franny i think it's twofold it's like yes it's that and there's unfinished story for franny because Mm. we really were beginning to see this like challenge beast um that i think we really were robbed of seeing that play out more we didn't really because we don't get a lot of um i just would have loved to see that aspect of franny more with bigger, better challenges with, you know, uh, I don't know. I keep thinking about like, like put Franny on Australian Survivor. It's mm. basically my thought process. Let's do um, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what did you think of the episode? I think I you hated loved, it. I loved this episode. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it had everything. For an episode that had both a reward and an immunity challenge, I thought we got so much social life, so much camp life, so much great time at the all-female, all-mom reward outside of Franny, uh, who is actually mother. Yeah, but so she's like, it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the all-mother reward, uh, minus Jamie. And because Jamie wasn't there, I mean, not that Jamie's not mother, but I, <laughs> I just felt like we got so much and it was an interesting vote. Am I thrilled at the result of the vote? No, like I do think that it was short-sighted not to take this opportunity to target Danny, who's always second place in the challenges, more or less. And so now we just have a new challenge beast to deal with, one that might be harder to get out. And it was a bit of a shame, I thought, for Pittsburgh Heidi that she was ready to, at this same moment, because people talk a lot now in the new era about the the final eight, the eighth place position. This is where Shan went home, right? You had Ricard turn on Shan. Here we had Pittsburgh Heidi 
turn on Danny, who was her number one. So we could have had that story sort of happen. Instead, we got Danny turning on Franny, who was kind of like his number two, I think. Um, and so it wasn't as impactful, I think, as the Ricard Shan thing. Uh, of course, in 43, this is where Noel went home. In 42, it's where High went home. So we've always lost kind of a big personality at this point. And I'm starting to wonder why that is, because typically... These are people you would keep around, right? Like you want a shield and it feels a little early to be voting a shield out uh, at this point. And so why is that happening here? Why are these people who are seen as either physical or social threats getting eliminated at the eighth place position? I don't know, but something's going on. I mean, it's happened four times. uh, And so that's notable, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how people try to correct for this in the future, I think, Mm -hmm. because it's more than a trend. And don't you think that Danny could have leveraged the fact that just a few weeks ago he used that idol to save Franny it's as so a reason confusing. to not only keep her around, <clears throat> not only keep her around as a shield, but keep her around also as an ally? So an ally and a shield. Um, you would have thought there would have been some loyalty there. It just feels weird to go from like, and again to like I to reference Jamie's comment about the era of the Alliance is dead or something. I don't think that's true, but I do think one thing that we're seeing is like, there's just a lot more maneuvering than usual. But I guess the question is that like, they're presenting that with the framework of like, isn't it exciting that you never know where Mm. someone, where their alliances lie? I would argue, no, I'm a big fan of loyalty. It's actually like some of my favorite seasons of the show, whether it be Micronesia or um, One World are sort of all about um, people that are just fundamentally loyal people. I mean, I think about Token Sheens as a great example of like Steven and JT never wavered on one another. And it's still one of the most terrific seasons. You don't need like these sort of like, uh, yes, this is one way in which you can play the game. And I'm not saying it's a bad way, but the idea that like, oh, uh, all all bets are off. It's like, no, 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 I'm fine with bets. Like bets are okay yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. And I... I mean, I take this with a grain of salt because, I mean, Jamie's saying that yeah, but yeah. what she's doing is she's voting, you know, she like Jamie is one of the votes for Heidi. Yes. Carolyn and Jamie vote for Heidi. And so there is like, I think Jamie's moving from one alliance that she's been in forever. Ratu it has not served her well. And she's moving to another alliance. Like that's not the era of alliances being over. That's the era right. of like reassessing your game at the midpoint. Right. And that's okay too. And also like we've had this, this, this is not news. Uh, it was Survivor 33 when the term trust clusters was introduced to this show. And so that was 11 seasons ago. So I think the, if we're, if we're truly believing that the era of alliances is over, it was over 11 seasons ago. So right. it's not news. Also, mind you, there's eight people. So there's only so many configurations <laughs> yeah. with which to work here. So a lot of the time when we're sort of talking about alliances and whatnot, it's like the, the variables are quite small at the end of the day. Now, because we're talking about Jamie, I did want to point out we got a lot of feedback in response to my comment last mm, week we did. about how different Jamie looked, which I think continued into this episode. I want to offer that this week, I felt like there was a little bit of Benjamin buttoning happening with Carson, particularly when he was handed his immunity ne- his immunity necklace by Jeff. I was like, we are watching a 12-year-old on Survivor. (laughs) I was just like, Carson, for some reason, read extremely 
young for me in this episode. He seemed smaller than usual, um, both in stature, but also like his face seemed younger. I don't know if like Taraji P. Henson was on set or what, but like it just something was happening there. But that's a Benjamin Button <laughs> reference for people that don't. <laughs> Didn't notice that, but I did have my eye on Jamie this episode, who I feel like is a real low-key star. Like she's really emerged for me in the post. I know that people have been on the Jamie train for a long time, and I felt like it was a little bit ironic. Do you know what I mean? Like they were saying uh-huh. it in a tongue-in-cheek way. But actually, her level of sort of cluelessness about the game and about and it's not that she's clueless about the game she's just sort of like never been in a great position but is so happy about it all the time that i feel like she's really stood out for me especially in this episode and there was a really great scene which uh maybe i will include i think i have to do a carousel post for this episode because i've got a few screenshots to share uh but there was one when the women came back from the sanctuary and everybody looks miserable at camp and jam jam has his buff half covering his face and jamie has a like a scarf wrapped around her head and she's waving to them like she is Mother Teresa. Like she's mm. co- like, come in, I will, I will protect you. And I thought that that was a great moment for her. But really, this the one of the main stories of this episode was Jamie coming clean about her idol going home with Kane. Of course, nobody knows that it's a fake idol, but it went home in Kane's pocket. She was like, "Do I tell them? Do I not tell them?" She decides honesty is the best policy, and. I feel like this is a rare moment of somebody being like completely and truly honest revealing that they're in a worse position than they were the day before and it somehow heightens her threat level to the point where they want to vote her out yeah i mean i feel like this is one of those new era things where it's like honesty is not rewarded it's funny too it's like no everyone seemed to assume (laughs) that she was lying it wasn't just one person like oh maybe she's lying it was like this collective sort of like she walked away and everyone's like collectively rolling their eyes together yeah which is very strange but i mean i think one of the weird things about jamie i'm trying not to get conspiracy theorists i'm really trying here but when you get those confessionals where they're like so overzealously saying the thing that is the complete opposite you can't help but feel, actually, excuse me, not you. I can't help but feel a little bit like the producers are not telling, ju- there's it just feels a little prompted in a way mm. because it's like she's leaning so hard into this. And it, this happened before because we got this from Jamie when she first found the idol and then sort of the producers sort of underlining just how dodo bird she was. And then sort of here now again, where it's like, not only does she do something in the moment that has every that's being picked up very differently than the way she's putting it down, but then you have her doubling, tripling down in the confessional about how great it feels. There's something about it that's sort of like, I, some something's pinging for me. Mm. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. I think they they know the story by now. They know the story that they're going to work with right. in post, and they're getting the sound bites. Yeah, they need. and maybe it's just as simple as like Jamie. How did it feel to finally? get that off your back. I mean, the tribe was so excited to, it's like, you finally got everything out there and now you don't have to carry around this huge burden, right? And then Jamie's like, yeah, 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 I don't. The truth set me free. It's like, okay. I loved this moment right at the beginning of the episode where Carson pulls Jamie aside after the vote and is like, just so you know, Kane was telling everybody about your idol. And she goes, that makes me not trust him. And it's like, 
okay. Okay, girl. <laughs> He's gone, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Shoot him a glare at the next tribal. <laughs> now, question for you regarding with, with regards to that was, I guess this is the part where I got a little confused, whereas how did Jamie, or excuse me, how did Carson know about that? And if Carson knew, how did Jamie not know that Carson knew? So, because Carson was swapped to Ratu. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. And I think Matthew told Carson about Jamie's idol. Matthew told Carson. Okay. Right? And so, then did Jamie know Matthew that Carson was the one knew? That planted, Matthew was the one that planted the fake idol for Jamie to find. Uh-huh. And so he pulled Carson aside and was like, hey, just so you know, blah, 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 blah. Matthew goes home. So now Carson is the last person who knows that Jamie has this idol, which every which she believes is real. She believes is real. The one person who knows it's fake is out of the game because he's been pulled for medical reasons or he left for medical reasons. And so Carson's the only one that knows. So he tells everybody, and I guess now that Kane's out of the game, he can tell this lie to say that Kane told me about your idol. But how, how does- Kane would know, I would I would have to assume that Jamie thinks Matthew told Kane. But then how does Carson know. Well, Carson knows because Matthew told Carson when and he does went Jamie to Matthew. know? Sorry, sorry. Does Jamie know that Carson knows? I don't think so. And so basically, he's lying and saying, even though he heard it from Matthew, he's saying he heard it from Kane. Yeah, actually, okay, Kane, but what if, like I'm, I'm. I'd, let me back up because Kane, might, Kane might have known. It's possible that this may have been a scene that I'm forgetting. That right before the merge, I do remember Lauren saying, by the way, I have an extra, like, I have my extra vote. We're good. Jamie may have said, I have an idol, so we can use that too. So the Ratus, the original Ratus might have known of like Lauren, Brandon, Kane. That was going to be my question was, what did Lauren know? Yeah. I guess one thing that I'm having trouble with with this current season is is a little bit of like understanding who's even working together. Um, yeah. Because we're sort of led to believe that like there's these tribal lines. Um, but as I sort of hinted at, I think last week, I don't think that the Tika are very strong. I mean, <laughs> as mm-hmm. evidenced by this episode, but then in like, and then sort of, we saw this fracture in the Heidi Danny, but like, is that a fracture or is that just the fact that like they vote together when it's convenient and then when it's not, they don't like, and then even thinking about like Franny, it's like beginning this episode, I would have thought that Franny and Danny were working together. Then I come to learn that they're like, not only not working together, Danny is working against her. So it's like, and then also it's like, it seems Carson and Jam Jam are not really working with Carolyn. And so it's yeah. like, who is in it together? Because right now, for instance, I'm led to believe that like, Lauren and Jamie have something, some sort yeah. of something, but then I'm kind of like, that's more in my head than it is evidenced by actual mm. scenes. Mm-hmm. And and evidenced in the vote. Uh, right. Which so, is what the most important thing is. And the crazy thing for, to back up on the Soka thing, which is wild that the whole story post-merge for three episodes was Soka versus Ratu, Tika in the middle. That was right. the story. And we talked about how like that might have not been so true because we saw them talking cross like brandon telling danny that they were going to vote for franny that's why danny plays his idol for franny so it seems to me like there was a short-term strategy going on of like at least protect our core original tribes and then it's gotten to a point now where that sort of doesn't matter to people they've built new relationships they have new people that they want to work with threats emerged but it is crazy that danny played his idol for franny then the next vote we find out they left Franny out of the vote. Her random vote last week was 
not a plan. She was fully left out of the vote. She feels left out of the vote. And then this week that Danny tries to take Franny out just suggests to me that like Soka's dead. I think Ratu's intact. Tika's not in great shape. But like, I really think that like, I would want to say that Jamie and Lauren are together, but like they didn't vote together and right. so that's concerning so right. i think you're right like all of the original tribal alliances hey the era of alliances is dead mm. maybe she was right maybe so because none of these original tribes are really like on the same page right and so i heard when they were talking on know-it-alls they were like oh what's the fallout gonna be like with carolyn next week because she's been betrayed by carson and jam jam and i'm just thinking well it's like this has happened before uh-huh. as well as the fact that I don't. If you were Carolyn and you went and gave that plan to Carson, we never got like a firm yes from Carson. Carson seemed very yeah. hesitant to even have the conversation. So I get the impression that Carolyn went into that tribal having some sense of what was going to happen, if not the complete sense. And then also by way of like next week, it's like Carson's argument is pretty easy. You came to me with a plan We simply didn't have the numbers. It was the 11th hour. I made it clear to you that I was reluctant to change a plan that late into heading over, which I think is a very reasonable sort of response to give Mm -hmm. when sort of confronted with, you know, why didn't you vote with me? It's like, had we had more time together to really game it out and, uh, you know, sort out the votes, I I absolutely would have wanted to vote with you, but you were trying to flip the script and there wasn't enough time. I think that's a very logical response to like why you didn't go with your seeming alliance into a vote. Yeah, I do think though that the... If I'm trying to read the edit, I do feel like (laughs) we're getting signaled that Tika is the final three. Like, I believe this more and more. I could very well be wrong, but I feel like Tika will be in the finale anyways, like at least the final five, because there's just so much important little tidbits, like before they go to tribal council, Carson sort of laying out his options. And he does say, like, I would go for Heidi. It makes sense for me. It's just like, I kind of want to do this other thing right now. I want to vote for Franny. And both are good options for me, and I'm going to pick whichever one I want. So we're getting like, and he talks about like, you know, I've leaned into my chaotic side. I've leaned into my strategic side. Like, I'm going to, like that, that's, you know, classic winner edit material. Then you have Jam Jam this episode, getting significant backstory about family when he's not even the one getting family content. Uh, I think that that's significant. And then you have Carolyn and the betrayal she feels of being sort of like, you know, putting out a plan once again to her allies that they don't follow through with. This is a story that dates back to the early Tika days of feeling like the third turd. Yet again, this is going to come to a head next episode. I just feel like walking out of tribal council, there was that close-up shot of Carolyn's face and it's signaling like a revenge arc or something where it's like, you know, our hero's been kicked down yet again and we're still rooting for her. It just feels like all three of them are getting really, really good edits that signal endgame to me. So my ideal right now would be next week, they turn on Carolyn because they feel like it's just too far gone. They put all the votes on Carolyn Carolyn uses her idol and they get out Carson. 
and she gets out Carson. I feel like that's like the most baller move that could happen. I forgot Carolyn still had that idol. Oh, it's funny, you know, watching right now because I would say the two people I'm rooting for the most, <clears throat> excuse me, are Carolyn and Pittsburgh Heidi, both of whom not only have idols but have secret idols. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. But I do think at some point with this sort of seemingly new approach to finding idols and telling no one, I do think there will come a time in new seasons coming up when like there's going to be the expectation. Like right now you can sort of have a secret idol and no one would suspect you. But I think there's going to come a time where it's like not telling people will become so normal that you'll kind of have to play with the like, split votes will have to happen. Whereas like right now it's yeah. like you can put all the votes on someone like Carolyn without any worry of her having an idol. Whereas I feel like that would not be the case sooner rather than later. Yeah, sort of like Survivor in the past. <laughs> yeah, like that, 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 that show. We've come full circle, yeah. Yeah. Can we but, talk about the reward challenge? Yes. Because, I mean, the challenge I don't care about, but the reward itself I care about because, well, do you care about the challenge? No, I distinctly don't care about either of the challenges in this Yeah, episode. me neither, me neither. Uh, although we had another 3D print. Uh, did you see Carson's tweet? He 3D printed that star that he won. I didn't see that tweet. Do you think that they made an effort to not make that something? I'm sure he shared that at some point. I'm sure. Think? I feel like at some point, I mean, we've said this a thousand times, but at some point it becomes embarrassing for Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. It's also funny that it's like, here we are going after Franny for being a challenge beast, but again, yeah. no heat on Carson when... This is a skill set that we know is going to benefit him in future yeah. challenges. Yeah. I'm very curious to see, are they going to keep this up or not? Because I feel like it's really come to a head, especially with the chatter online. Like people are, people are like worked up about this. I'm worked up about it from the perspective of survivor needs to get their shit together and like at least change the pieces of the, like just cut the puzzle different. So it's not. Get rid of the you puzzle. Can't memorize it. And stop calling it a great equalizer. It's not an equalizer. It's not an the equalizer. challenges just favor whoever can do puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the reward, because Franny wins the reward, uh, her third challenge win, and she gets to take three people with her and she goes with the moms. Uh, sorry to Danny, who just has a newborn at home. I don't know if he shared that information with everybody, but he does have a newborn baby at home. And so she goes with Carolyn, Lauren, and Heidi, which I loved those as picks, first of all, because it just having the women together brings the opportunity of a women's alliance, which like sort of backfired in a way. Um, but you did have the opportunity to get to see Lauren and Heidi, who haven't had like the best showing in the edit at least like of sort of like who they are as as people um and for lauren just anything about her in the game or as a person and so that was nice and then you had uh carolyn being able to sort of like provide the the commentary that we need at the challenge or at the reward the reward itself uh jeff announced it as tacos apples and bananas did you catch oh, I that? I hear that now. He said tacos, apples, bananas, he was, and cocktails and virgin cocktails. He was unhinged. But he I thought it was a little like. <laughs> but then he was like virgin cocktails for anyone that's not yeah. of age. And it's like, yeah. uh, what about the. First of yeah. all, everyone is of age. Uh, no, Carson's, Carson's under 21. I thought Carson, he's 22 now, so he'd be 21. 
Well, it depends on when his birthday is. His reaction suggested to me that he was under 21. Okay, but even so, it's like if there's eight people- He may have been like people, about to turn 21. If over 10% of the people involved cannot drink because they are sober, I think that's worth mentioning. And it's just funny that it's like they bring in Carolyn's sobriety as a plot point on the show. Yeah, totally. I think that I would mention the fact that like, yeah. This is exactly what I was going to say. Oh, okay, you can so just say- Virgin cocktails. You know, margaritas and virgin margaritas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Period. <laughs> like it doesn't matter that like it's almost Imagine like downplaying to say like for you kids, for you kids, yeah. you can have yeah. a virgin cocktail. And it's like we have somebody yeah. here who doesn't drink. Carson, like, we we can't give you your first taste of alcohol here on the island. Also, like why can't Carson? I drink? know. I have the rule. Um, I, I sincerely doubt that the legal drinking age in Fiji is twenty one. I sincerely doubt that. So another uh, sort of issue I had with the reward was allowing three people to be selected. I just feel like it's a little too many people. Mm. Um, I'm happiest with one other person. I can allow for two. But when 50% of the remaining contestants win the reward, it feels a little bit, I just think it's over. Oh, it's overdoing it. Um, so I thought that was unnecessary. And then I just think that like the one disappointing thing from the mom brigade getting together was that you didn't leave with the sense that they were going to be working together. Like Heidi's response when they mentioned the idea of a Danny vote out was very much giving like, I would consider it, but I'm not considering it. And I so, completely disagree. Okay. Well, I just did not walk away from that meal thinking that the four of them had like and forged a real bond of any kind it sort of felt mm. like well well we're all here and what's interesting to think about is the way that the rewards at this juncture of the game function differently in the 39 day season um when they're actually hungry because one thing i kept thinking is it's like they're two and a half weeks into this game um so I don't doubt that they're hungry, but it's a very different kind of hunger than the final eight experience in the real game. Um, not to mention the fact that I don't know if I would like, uh, I don't know. I have to use my words carefully. Um, <laughs> I'll say this two and a half weeks away from family is not a long time. I agree. It's like agree. a long vacation. I, I can thought, understand. I always thought like the family visit on regular survivor, 39 day survivor. I was like, who cares? Yeah. So I can understand from Danny's perspective because you've got a newborn, right? Mm -hmm. So like you want to get an update <clears throat> on your newborn. I also think if you're a mom or dad and you have kids, like, yeah, you long for your kids. But again, we're talking two and a half weeks. And so I think beats like this, whether it be reading the letter or having this, this feast, they don't quite hit the way they used to because... I, this is sort of those moments where I feel the effects of the shortened season. And I also just want to mention a Dalton Ross article here real quick. So <laughs> they talk about the fact of, I guess there's an article that's written of like what the family visit would have looked like or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? I didn't read it. It's it's something about like, what I think that they like show their letters or I, I don't even know. But anyway, this to say in the article itself, I only read the first two paragraphs. It says that the reason that we no longer get family visits, there's three reasons it says. It says one, budget, two, the shortened 26 day season, and three, COVID protocols. So two, the 26 day season. Why would the 26 day season impact the ability to have the families there? I don't understand that. 
and COVID protocols. I understand this season was filmed quite a while ago, but the fact that there's a 400-person crew going to Fiji to film this, I think you could get eight family members over to Fiji for a few nights. So yeah, I agree. All this to say, the budget <laughs> constraints, um, they are real. And I really am curious to sort of unpack, like, I where is the budget going? Like, You know how we're still waiting to see Trump's tax returns? Uh-huh. I need to see survivor's tax returns. I mean, not for nothing. Because I don't know. I have no concept of what this budget is. And it's like. And if we can't afford like throwing $7,000 at flights, then like how tight are the strings? Right. And like Ponderosa is down. So they're saving all of that money as well. And also, I don't know about you, but like these challenges are looking like. Cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And I don't know, maybe maybe that's just like I have an eye for I it don't now. See be- that. Really? I felt like they were so simple this week. Uh, I don't know. Anyone else out there? Am I crazy? I just feel like I'm really feeling the budget cuts. Yeah. I will say to the to the point on the 26 day season, I, what they may be getting at there is that for the family visits traditionally, there's more families than are shown because they have to get everybody there. So they don't know who's going to get voted out in ninth place, even 10th place potentially. So they do have to fly everybody's families out from a certain point just post merge or something like that and so there's more families and so like by shortening the season that even increases just to get everybody mobilized they got to get the time off they got to take the flight they got to get there if there's covid protocols which i don't even think there are like i'd have to look at the fiji covid rules but i can't imagine that there's really any considering that there are Virtually none across the world. Uh, so like, at most, what, show your vaccine card or something like that? Um, so that I don't really buy. But like, certainly to, to get everybody mobilized and to get them there, you've got to do... You've got to do that in advance, which means that you're flying potentially 10 families, maybe, or 11 even, if they're truly doing a tribal council every day. Um, but, okay, so how much is a flight to Fiji? I also just want to mention the fact that like there are survivor podcasts out there with thousands, thousands of paying Patreon members. And I bring this up to say that there are other revenue streams right now. And so if a show like Survivor (laughs) is literally this short (laughs) on budget, then let's amp up the merch. Let's put make a Jeff uh, Jeff Probst podcast Patreon. Like I'm just saying we've got to get creative here. Like. There are other ways that we can fund the show. <laughs> Call Tyler Perry up and like, you know, have him wire over Sia. some money. See ya. See ya. You want to see a family visit, see ya? Like pump some funds into this show. Hello. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. The crowdsource, the, the, they should be like, hey, do you want to see a loved one's reward next season? Pitch in. Send $5, <laughs> like Jeff answering phone calls. They can have a te- telethon. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Uh, they can take donations. I love get that. get the families out there. Maybe they truly blew the family budget on 40 when they brought every single winner's entire family out there. How do we go from that to nothing? Yeah. It is just like really curious. And then you look at these shows like The Challenge USA, where they cast how many people? It was like 24 people on the cast. Was there that many? No, I think there was 32. No. Hold on. Anyway, this to say like The Challenge USA looked, was so 
like high gloss and looked so high budget. And I'm just, there were 28. Wow. That's a huge effing cast. No family visit though. No family visit, but I'm just saying they're scaling buildings. Like that's not cheap. (laughs) Like the kind of things that they were doing, like were, they were doing very expensive stunts. Yeah. True. And it's just, and I, I bring that up just to say that it's like, or you look at like the trade, like all of these shows that are launching the trade. So maybe the issue is it's like they'd rather allocate their money towards new shows, which are easier to market because of like the, because there is a barrier to entry, right? It's like when you tell someone, oh, Survivor, you should watch. It's in season 44. They're like, that's still on. It's very hard to be like, no, get pumped. But Zoe Lister-Jones, the actress Zoe Lister-Jones was on the talk and she revealed the fact that she started watching Survivor this season. Like there are, we are recruiting mm-hmm. new viewers, um, mm-hmm. but clearly not enough to, to tip the scales. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the Traders challenges are cheap. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the Although it's like cheap show yeah. to make. I guess though it's like, it kind of makes me think where it's like, I would love to see like a Buried Alive Survivor competition. So it's like, it's not really necessarily about high budget totally. uh, competitions so much as just innovation yeah because two little like humps in the sand that they have to like crawl over i just think that that's that's uh, not you, you, when you could have 10 humps in the sand that you just have to slightly dig through to find a packet of money there you like go. they did on the traders there you go so, get also, them to sorry, jump wait. out of a helicopter yeah also that was iconic no more untying knots please like ever. Yeah. Untying knots just doesn't, it doesn't play well on screen. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that. I, I did think it was funny that at the reward, uh, there was this shot, there was this confessional by Franny going on about like, we have, this is the most amazing spread I've ever seen. Literally, as she's saying that they cut to the food and it is swarmed with flies. And it's like, you couldn't put like a little... Like cover it up or something. Put a fan. Like just get have them blow it away just for the shot. Just for the shot. Yeah. <laughs> it was cover. Covered it was, in flies. It just, honestly, I was thinking about if that was me and I came over there and I saw all those flies, I'd be like, I'm good. <laughs> like I'm not even hungry. I'm not even now. Lost my appetite. Yeah. Give me a virgin margarita. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be at Ponderosa in six hours. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. Well, I did feel like that we could have had a women's alliance out of this because I was, unlike you, convinced by Pittsburgh Heidi's willingness to go for Danny. And like, spoiler alert, she did vote for Danny. So I think that she recognized like it might be time. And I think she was excited about this potential alliance, but clearly not everybody was. Don't you wish that like, instead of the show relying on the like, who's gonna go home aspect. It's like, it would have been so fun to like figure out like, so who, so Heidi must have voted for Danny because she had the conviction that there were enough votes. Mm-hmm. So like, how did it all go down? Like it would be, mm-hmm. I really wish they would like dig into that because I think it would make for really good television where it's like, you have this person, she's turning on her biggest ally. She's only going to do that if she has the assurance from multiple other people. Mm-hmm. So what changed? Because there had to yeah. be a point at which Heidi felt confident in making such a big move. It would be great to like reveal that as opposed to just next episode where I've, it seems like they're going to be focused on Carolyn and yes. her being in, left in the dark. But like Heidi was as well. And it's almost more high stakes for Heidi because 
Carolyn and Danny aren't working together, explicitly not. Um, whereas Heidi kind of like made a sacrifice with this vote. Yeah, agreed. Because all we saw from Heidi was her telling Carson Heidi? and... Yeah. Pittsburgh Heidi. Oh, sorry. Uh, you were just calling her Heidi. Oh my God, you're right. It's like disrespectful because <laughs> I'm not from... It's like you can say that because you're from Pittsburgh. To you, well, she's just Heidi. Everybody else is like Heidi not from Pittsburgh. Well, she's a local for to me... me yeah, yeah, it's Pittsburgh Heidi. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. your 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 highness, right? Are you excited for the coronation? No, we can't go down that hole. Uh, when is it? <laughs> it's on Saturday. Oh, okay. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about Do the people of like turn looks? Uh, like is it is like fascinators and stuff? I think we're gonna find out. I mean, it's been seventy years since the last coronation. Oh so. wow. Okay. I did yeah. see British Vogue just posted a portrait of King Charles. And, like, he is objectively a very ugly man. Yeah, he's not cute. He's like, not cute. And it's not an age thing, because it's, like, no. he's just, he has really bad features. He's and he seems cute. like he has smelly breath. Oh, hideous. He's got um, tonsil stones. <laughs> <laughs> and you think Camilla smells good? <laughs> she probably does, actually. She I was going to say, I think like she smells like potpourri. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, have, I have no interest in like the royals as like an institution, but I'm really excited for the coronation from like a history perspective. Okay, yeah, uh, no, I will. And be I'll watching. be in London next. Week, I'll be in London the week after. Oh wait, am I? Pot- am I? Are you with me next week? Uh, next week, yes. I'm uh, next. I'm yes. I'm flying. And then I have to find night. a sub. No, no, no. I'll be there. Okay. Um. Wait. So sorry. This is sorry. A small tangent, but just on the potpourri <laughs> thing. But it is relevant. Anyone out there that is looking for a good scent? I just got. It's called. It's called like cookie couture it's this collaboration that this candle company sniff did with this bakery in cobble hill called l'apartment 4f it's literally it's it's cologne that smells like cookies i know I, <laughs> okay move on anyway so i just american i'm just so excited like i i know it sounds really kitschy it's not kitschy like it just smells good it makes me so it's happy giving up Bath and Body Works. No, I no, and I, I hear you there, and I'm and I am saying it is explicitly not that. It's okay. emphasis on the couture, not the cookie. Will you send me a bottle? Yeah. How much is this? <laughs> I don't think it's expensive. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Anyway. Uh, love that. Okay, cookies. Mm. Oh, it's called Crumb Couture. Crumb Couture. Crumb Couture. And this is a collab with Sniffies. No. <laughs> <laughs> um this is a it's a collab with sniff uh s-n-i-f um easy mistake to make it is an easy mistake and this is retailing for 65 dollars okay okay yeah i'll get you a bottle okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> take it from the drop your bus budget <laughs> for the party the parties, the parties that we're having. Now people are asking about the Pittsburgh party. Somebody asked to come to Seattle. I don't know if I can fly across the country. Well, I would. I mean, we should do live shows. Yeah, but like I also have a job. <laughs> yeah, fair. Can you take time you know off? I mean? Yeah, I can take time off. Okay. I'm down for Pittsburgh. Um, well, Sean, you could kind of swoop because do you know what the drive is from Toronto to Pittsburgh? The drive? Yeah. I would fly. The drive to New York is like 11 hours. No, 10 I know, hours. but the drive from Toronto to Pittsburgh, 
It's for sure long. I am not it's, driving. It's five hours. What? Yeah. Where is Pittsburgh? So Pittsburgh is three and a half hours from Buffalo. So that's why I knew it wouldn't be far from Toronto. Yeah. Oh my God. Five hours is not bad, Sean. I fancy myself like a geography So I was going to say, what you could do is you drive down to Pittsburgh for our Pittsburgh show, and then you fly from Pittsburgh to New York. Mm. Oh, we're doing like back-to-back weeks. Well, I mean, just, oh, I guess that would be, no, no, no. It makes more sense. So then you just, you drive to Pittsburgh and drive home. (sighs) Yeah, we'll see. And listen, you ramp up the speed, you could do it in 4.15. I know, yeah. It's five hours for me to get home. Yeah. So I'm familiar with the five-hour drive. So... Just saying. Okay. Okay. Well, it's we'll for, work yeah, on it. We'll it's work in the on fall. It. It's in the fall. We're coming, folks. We're coming. Yeah, we'll workshop it. We're starting starting with New York and Pittsburgh. We'll see how they go. If they flop, and do you want to know what I'll be wearing anymore. at the Pittsburgh show? Uh, Heidi's skin over your skin. I <laughs> <laughs> I will be wearing crumb couture. Ah, me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi's skin over my skin. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, well, <laughs> back to Survivor. Uh, there are a couple things I want to say here. I think we talked kind of like about the vote. Uh, I do think that it was a mistake for them not to target Danny at this point. Yeah, Franny was a challenge beast threat, but like I said, so is Danny. And it's like, now that Franny's gone, you think Danny's not just going to beast through the rest of the challenges? I don't get it. I don't get it. And I am just like not sure what relationships he has outside of, I mean, he's lost Heidi, in my opinion. Franny's gone. So his whole original tribe alliance is gone. So, I mean, I think he feels he has a good relationship with Jam Jam and Carson, but I don't know if that I would put all my eggs in that basket. And here's where I think we have to touch down on Jam Jam, because I feel like if anyone's stock is lowering for me, it's Jam Jam, because I just feel like he keeps making the wrong moves for me. And I don't mean like the big moves, but it's like, to to your point right now, he seems to be aligning himself with Danny over Carolyn, Danny over Franny. And it's like, Jam Jam, you are one of us. Like, you need to be thinking about the show that you're making. Mm. And we were all under the impression that you understood that very clearly. And that's why you were like buddying up with Carolyn because you were like, people want to see hero narratives with weirdos. And so it's just odd to me to like watch him buddying up with Danny without even the intent. Because it'd be one thing if he's like, I'm going to work with Danny right now. And then when it comes time, when he thinks that I'm in it with him to the end, I'm going to clip him. But like, we haven't gotten that. So it just seems like, and then also like Jam Jam's repeatedly going against our girl Carolyn. I just, I want to love Jam Jam and he's not making a lot of moves that I find favorable. Um, I'm not that disappointed with Jam Jam's game right now. I hear what you're saying about Danny, but I thought like what my takeaway from this and yeah, it's real, a really, really minor moment, but I found it really interesting that Carson and Jam Jam had a little head to head here where, uh, or a meeting of the mind, not a head to head, a meeting of the minds where they talked about, well, if we're going to vote out for any Carolyn's going to be upset and how are we going to deal with that? I thought that that was interesting because like I've said before, we haven't seen a lot of Carson and Jam Jam's working relationship together or much of their relationship together at all. I think that they're two pretty 
different people and I don't really like see them as super, super buddy, buddy on this season. And so it was nice to see them kind of come together and go, okay, they, they do have at least like a game relationship here where they trust each other strategically. And that's nice for me to see because I thought the breaking point in the Tika tribe was going to be somewhere between Jab Jam and Carson, but actually it's going to be them against Carolyn potentially. Yeah. I have to say also about Carolyn's island fashion did you see the crustacean leg in her hair? I did. Um, speaking of fashion with Carolyn, I yeah. thought that her shorts burned last week, but she was wearing a pair of shorts that were not burned. And I thought that was uh, interesting. Was she wearing those shorts? Well, she has the overalls. Sh- oh, okay. She was wearing the pink overalls, but she also has a pink pair of pink shorts that burned. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> My mistake. So I don't know specifically okay. what she was wearing, Also, Heidi this, showed this up. this episode she was wearing the overalls. Also, Heidi showed up at one point in a shirt that we'd never seen before, a perfectly clean shirt. Mm. I just have some questions about- There's a lot of clothes going around. In that secret scene where from last week where Carolyn's shorts burned in the fire because she was trying to dry them, there's a clothesline in the background, mm-hmm. and it is filled with clothes. They, they were fighting for room on that line. <laughs> And it seemed like after the merge, especially, it felt like they were possibly given more clothes because all of a sudden you had this great uh, three-quarter zip-up that sweater that Carolyn wears. It's like a gray. I really mm-hmm. like that on her. And yeah, I was starting to see just new outfits pop mm. up after the merge. So one question I have going back to the Jam Jam is in talking sort of about who's going to win this game, and you mentioned the possibility of the Tika at, at, or Tika at Final Three, I just, what is Jam Jam's argument at present that he's presenting? He's done nothing in challenges. He's led no votes at all. He doesn't seem to have any real, real strong bonds. I mean, like him and Carson, that's a newer thing because we had even talked about, I think just last week, that they really have had very few conversations just that we've seen, just the two of them. I'm not, it's like for Carson and Carolyn, I can just see the speech right now at Final Tribal. I'm not really sure how Jam Jam is selling himself, let alone outselling himself in comparison to what I imagine are going to be formidable people mm. sitting next to him on the final three. I guess for me, Jam Jam's story is that he has managed this Tika alliance in a good way up until this point where he's had to handle Carolyn particularly because he seems to be the shoulder Carolyn cries on. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when they had this disagreement early on, he kind of had to manage that and she had to come crawling back to him to get Josh out. And of course that didn't happen until the merge. He, his back was a little bit against the wall at the merge. So he sort of had to fight from the bottom from there. And he got to a comfortable place where I think he was really out front and center at the merge, probably just because of his big personality more than his strategic threat level. But he was in contention to get votes in those first couple of uh, post-merge episodes. And I think he escaped that. And he's sort of like, you know, wiping his brow and like flying under the radar for the moment, at least. But he's still in on the strategy of every vote. So, yeah, he's not leading it. But I understand that's a harder harder pitch to make than, say, Carson's pitch at the end. But it is a pitch. 
It's certainly a pitch and it's not, it's, I'm not invalidating anything that you're saying. It's more just like, how does that rise above someone like a Carson? Cause it's like everything yeah. you're saying is like, sure, you can offer that. But I think people are looking for people that are more to borrow a metaphor that I hate uh, people that are more in the driver's seat. Yeah. I, I will say that I think the tricky thing about this season as with many newer, I wouldn't even say new era, just modern survivor seasons is that we really have no idea who likes who mm-hmm. and who's getting along at camp. Right, like there was that comment at, at Tribal where Danny was like, I really, I'm not working with Lauren, but I really, really like her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even yeah. know you two knew each other. <laughs> yeah, and same goes for Jam Jam, I think. Like I just, like I said, like I didn't even know what his relationship was with Carson and that's one of his tight three alliance. And so that I don't know that, then I don't know... You know, there was the scene where everybody was at the reward and Jam Jam was crying to Jamie. And uh, is that a moment of bonding between them or is he just having to get something off his chest? Mm -hmm. How well do these two know each other? It seems like they would get along. They're both like very positive, outgoing personalities. Um, So like, is there something there? And I ask that because in the end, it will matter. If people really love Jam Jam, if they have love in their heart for Jam Jam, that could garner votes on top of a sort of like, underdog story that he tells Uh as opposed to like maybe like i said i i don't know how much people respect or don't respect carolyn's game like i don't know how much they respect her because she seems flighty and a little kooky do they see her as like strategically capable of winning this game that's a big outstanding question for me where i think that carson kind of has both of those things i think people like him and they see him as strategically formidable but i keep thinking about like Marianne going into the final vote because Marianne sort of faced a similar uphill battle Mm -hmm. of like being taken seriously. And so it's like, I feel like if Carolyn can pull off a great speech and like sort of like summate her game for them, um, it's an easy argument. And I also just feel like, again, why it's like, I'm surprised that they haven't gone after Carolyn where it's like, I feel that Carolyn's story, whether it be, I mean, there's just so many aspects of her story that would make her a great winner that I would be thinking about at this juncture of the game and saying, we need to get her out. Yeah. That's why I'm always just surprised where it's like, I get going after Franny to an extent, but like in these past weeks, like when you're going after someone like Brandon, for instance, like a few weeks ago, it's like Brandon's not winning this season of Survivor. I don't know. And maybe again, it's like, maybe it's the stuff we're not seeing or maybe there's, you know, who's to say, but it's like, or I look at someone like, like Lauren right now. And it's just like, I don't see someone like Lauren winning the season of Survivor. But then again, I mean, I didn't see someone like Erica winning her season. So really hard to say. Yeah. So they don't know that Gabler won, right? No. So they, their last winner is Marianne. Yeah. Do you think that there's a mindfulness with how players are going to play now in the sense of specifically looking at 41, 42, and then eventually 43, 44, and saying, like studying those seasons about sort of like shifts in how the game is played? Like we've talked about some of that. I think for sure. Okay. Yeah. And I think that the, the winner sequence matters. I really do think that. So, I mean, you saw Erica win, and 
there was a lot of conversation and we know there was a lot of conversation in the game about the lack of female winners. And so I think that that really helped Erica to win. I don't think that that's what she relied on to win, but I think it helped her win and people were mindful of that. I think Marianne probably won for a similar reason or that like, not that she won for that reason, but it was a factor in people's minds that they thought, okay, that like, we're not something about this game isn't rewarding women and certainly not women of color. And so like, we want to be mindful of that. Certainly the, the diversity casting initiative helps that. And I think that people will start to think of who the winners have been and who goes out at what point. Like I said, this eighth place finisher, uh, I think that people are going to start playing around those things to mm-hmm. some extent for the, for the, for the good or for the bad. I don't know. Okay. Well, Franny is gone. I hope that she has a great time with Matt at Ponderosa. Shame that we won't have that footage, but that is what it is. I did hear not to like, call anyone out by name but i can do it because we're friends but uh steven fishback on know-it-alls was saying that that the franny matt relationship was one of the all-time great arcs on survivor and while i absolutely loved it i think what we really loved more was like the possibility of it than like what we actually saw on the show because yeah, we we've gotten very little of this romance. I mean, we've mm-hmm. gotten more glances than anything from it to call <laughs> this one of like the all time, I think is sort of inflating it into it's sort of um, casting it to be more of what we want it to be than what it is. Um, yeah. I don't think it was an all time great. I think it was a welcome you know, it was it was welcome in particular because they're both so adorable and both so likable. But we didn't like watch this romance play out. If anything, it's like cast the two of them on the challenge or something and give mm. us the like fully realized version of this relationship. Kind of like there's those big brother players, Claire and Derek X who were not dating on Big Brother and then started dating afterwards and then started doing SpawnCon together and then appeared, I believe, on the challenge or something together. It's like, give us that arc for them. Cast them on the traitors and they can be the new Alex and Tom. You know, we have to tell you something. We're in a relationship. Uh, by the way, yeah. Alex and Tom from Traders UK. That's what I was mean. wondering. No, 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 yeah. I know you. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay, also, though, my other theory is cast the cast of Jury Duty on the Traitors. Cast the cast of Jury Duty on Survivor. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, Franny is gone. Carolyn at least got her belt back. It didn't go to Ponderosa. She needs those to hold up her burnt shorts. Uh, great episode, I thought. Let's hope for another one next week. And... Thank you so much for all the great feedback on the Todd Herzog interview episode. Uh, So glad that everyone enjoyed that. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out now. Uh, Reddit is talking about how he didn't get on Winners at War and who lied. Uh, Mm. But if you want to know more about that, go listen to that interview. Okay. The emoji for this episode will be, I thought it could either be a lobster because that's what, uh, that's what Carolyn had in her hair, according to Twitter uh-huh. and, or the, a fly. There's a great fly emoji. Okay. Let's do the fly. You want to do the fly? Yeah. You didn't find the judging. Uh... I didn't. Well, I found the scales, but not the gavel, but let, let's do the fly. Okay. We'll do now, the fly. Now, but when I'm typing fly, nothing is popping up. Just so you know. There's literally a fly. Oh no, I don't. I'm not doubting you. I, uh, okay. I see the fly. Oh Yeah. It's a good Big fly. arched back. Yeah. Oh, oh arched back? Yeah. I thought the fly was from the, like, for, uh, an aerial view of the fly. 
Not like the mosquito. Oh, the new- so oh, it's in the know. animal section. See the big fly with the brown wings? It's next to the caterpillar. Next oh, to the spider. Yeah, gross. That's a good fly. Gross. Okay, yeah. Ew, not the arched back fly. Ew. Okay, I gotta go. Ew. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.